0: I just told Jared I really liked his Kentucky shirt. <laughs> you didn't pick up the subtlety. Uh, I suppose I expect to see some orange today and some red and black and maybe a little purple and gold. <laughs> We're talking about Proverbs today and um, I, I really have to start at an unusual place for a pastor. Because as I work my way through the wisdom books in the Bible, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, wisdom from someone I don't believe in, and obviously there's wisdom is wisdom. If there's good advice, there's good advice for everyone, whether they believe in God or not. But I I wanted to just sort of remind me and remind all of us that He is calling out to followers of Christ. He's calling out to those who would trust God even in the unknown and accept His advice. So the book of Proverbs is, is really interesting. It is a, a collection of poems. And we talked about all of the, the wisdom books being a, a collection of poems, but, but Proverbs is even more interesting because of its structure. Now, there's a couple of disclaimers that I wanted to, to get to. Proverbs is kind of about probability. And it's not, not in a gambling sense, but sort of. The word Proverbs means comparison. So there's a, a, a way that is good and a way that is not good, and, and it compares the two of them. And certainly a way with God would compare favorably to a way without God. And so that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if, you, if you're still kind of kicking the tires on what a Christian life might be like, hang in there. Because I, I, I want to show you today that the way that walks with God is a wiser, a, a better way. And hopefully that will bring you to a place where you would be willing to give your life to him so proverbs uh it's about probability that that this way is probably better than this way that 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 certainly there are exceptions the uh the the foolish person the 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 person who who doesn't live according to god there are times that they prosper there are 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 apparently some successes so Proverbs is about probability. Make wise choices, things will likely go well. Make foolish choices, things will probably turn out poorly. Secondly, Proverbs are not promises. They're, they're, they're observations. They're, they're, they're not uh, this is a guarantee. This is this is God said it. They're sort of like parables, but shorter. <laughs> and and if we, we start thinking that proverbs or, or write this down this is hard and fast that, that that we would miss the point thirdly proverbs is about the general rule of wisdom this is the beauty of the scriptures it's about what usually happens it, it contrasts this way and this way but there are exceptions and we understand it and so he gave us job And he gave us Ecclesiastes to sort of show us what the exceptions might look like. So maybe you can understand how it's a a package deal. In Job, we learn about suffering. In Psalms, we learn about prayer. In Proverbs, we learn about discernment or decision-making. In Ecclesiastes, we learn about perspective on life. And Song of Songs, which I will do uh, next week, uh, it was completely ironic and accidental, Judy, that I'm going to do Song of Solomon on the day after my daughter gets married. <laughs> Wonder about that for a while. So the whole point of all of these books is a, a collection that we would read all of them, and we would, we would get a perspective that, sort of brings us to wisdom. And and Proverbs is kind of the poster child for the wisdom literature. So, wise words for decision-making. You may have noticed that I'm using the words discernment and decision-making interchangeably. Because I believe that biblical decision-making is discernment while worldly decision-making, not so much. Let me read you a quote from Henry Nouwen. Christian discernment is not the same as decision-making. Reaching a decision can be straightforward. Consider our goals and our options. Maybe we list the pros and cons of each possible choice, and then we choose the action that meets our goal most effectively. Discernment, on the other hand, is about listening and responding to that place within us where our deepest desires align with God. As discerning people, we will sift through our impulses, our motives, our options, and discover which ones lead us closer to divine love and compassion for ourselves and other people, and which ones lead us farther away. Discernment reveals new priorities, directions, and gifts from God we come to realize that what we previously thought was so important loses its power over us. So discernment and decision-making that is biblical are pretty much lined up. Decision-making in light of biblical wisdom is a deliberate choice in a world that makes decisions in light of personal benefit. So with that thought, how do we make decisions? Coin flip? Magic eight ball? Purely on impulse? The, the phrase comes to mind, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Do we make decisions based on uh, the prevailing noise in culture? Do we make decisions based on uh, uh, peer pressure, the, the, the friends around us, or the, the noise in the news cycle that seems to clamor for our attention? Do we make decisions purely on emotion? Uh, the research seems to suggest that, that if uh, you go to buy a car, it is likely that you did your research that you looked at reviews, that you weighed the pros and cons, but you walked into a dealership and you fell in love, and so you bought it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sort of the way that, that, that in the secular world, the, the culture said, this is the way we make decisions, and I, I love this quote. My decision-making skills closely resemble that of a squirrel crossing the street you get it right and so i i I think about how the world tells us to make decisions i went to business school i i i learned that you you uh consider the problem you look at the research for the pros and the cons you evaluate the potential outcomes You design a plan of action. You execute the plan of action. You evaluate that plan of action so that the decision-making is informed the next time. I I get it. The world tells us to buy on impulse. (laughs) I just thought of this. I I wasn't planning to say it, but when I was doing research on youth ministry and culture and uh, media, ABC Television uh, released a statement that there was... Nothing about television programming that impacted behavior. Because they were under fire over shows that would uh, uh, tempt somebody to do something or other. And one of the media critics responded, then why do you sell advertising? Because the whole purpose of advertising is to create an impulse is to create a, a, a desire that you didn't have before, is to, to bring you awareness of a product, an impulse decision. We make decisions based on worldview. The world tells us that's what you do. Whatever your core beliefs are, that's how the this this sickening cycle of election commercials based on that. You, you, you believe something. I want to reinforce that belief. I want to make you fear somebody who doesn't believe the way you do. That's worldview. Values, beliefs, core ideas. The world tells us we should make decision on emotion. You do you. You be the best version of yourself. And you, you make a decision that makes you feel good. You make a decision based on cultural norms well you as a follower of Christ Alan you are in such a minority these days and these voices that are screaming so loud as loud as they are there must be hundreds of thousands of them out there when the research obviously tells us that's not the case and so the world tells us that, that we should make decisions based on our, our logic. And, and by the way, we rarely make decisions based on logic. The, uh, the world tells us that we should make decisions based on our emotion. Well, it can't be both. Well, yeah, it can. Because it's, it's all filtered through a, a narcissistic worldview that says, your decisions should be the best for you. And the Bible tells us a little bit of a different story. I love this quote. The heart of biblical discernment is to be able to distinguish the voice of the world from the voice of God. So Proverbs has a really interesting message. And you kind of got to understand the the structure of it to to get it. And if you've got a a paper Bible with you this morning, it's a little easier to see it. Chapters 1 through 9 are a unit. Chapters 10 through 29 are a unit. And chapters 30 and 31 sort of stand by themselves. Chapters 1 through 9 are comprised of a set of speeches and sermons sort of chapters 10 through 29 are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of random proverbs some of them are grouped together there are groups of proverbs that talk about our speech there are groups of proverbs that talk about our purity uh, there are groups of Proverbs that talk about our relationships. There are groups of Proverbs that talk purely about wisdom. And, and those are, are eight verses at a time, ten verses at a time, twelve verses at a time. But in chapters 10 through 29, there are, are just hundreds and hundreds of them, many of them Proverbs that, that you have heard often Uh I I, I could go through and and take a lot of time, but uh, in in chapter um, 10, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. Uh, Verse 18 in the same chapter, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Verse 23, doing wrong is a joke to a fool, but wisdom is a pleasure to a man of understanding. Verse 11, Chapter 11, verse 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Verse 14, where there is no guidance, a people falls. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Verse 12, uh, chapter, chapter 12, verse 1, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, Uh, chapter uh, 12 verse 17 whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence but a false witness utters deceit on and on it goes for all of those chapters so it's kind of bookended by uh, a, a set of proverbs in the beginning and two chapters of proverbs at the end which have a little different flavor so chapter one beginning in verse 1, it sort of gives us an overview of the whole book. It, it sets up why we should desire this kind of wisdom, why the contrasting pathways, we, we should lean towards the path of wisdom. So he says, To know wisdom and in instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity... To give prudence to the simple. Now there's a complicated relationship in Proverbs with the word simple. Sometimes it means readily apparent. And sometimes it means a guy who's not the brightest bulb in the box. And and it goes back and forth. Not always letting us know whether he's talking about somebody who, who does not have wisdom or, or just a very, very straightforward concept. Here, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then chapter 1, verse 7, is sort of the flagship verse of the whole book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now you kind of have to compare that with chapter 9, verse 10, where he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There's almost brackets there. It's almost like the, the central purpose of the book of Proverbs is defined in chapter 1, verse 7, and defined again in chapter 9, verse 10, where it says the fear of the Lord is the root of knowledge, it's the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One. So if, if we are really honest and upfront, we say that the, the book of Proverbs calls us to a relationship with God. That is the way of wisdom. It it calls us to an understanding that He is God and that I am not. That He is sovereign and though I I may not understand everything, He gave us Job, He gave us Ecclesiastes. Those those are the wisdom books that say, "Hey, hey, here's the perspective when you don't understand anything. But the Proverbs is the way of wisdom that that as a rule, the fear of the Lord, the worship of the Lord, the awe-inducing, falling-down-at-His-feet understanding of the Lord. The simple prayer when we say, Lord, I'm a sinner... I can't do anything with my sin, but, but you have said you will forgive me through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the way of wisdom, and I, and I yield my life to you. I le- yield my life to this way of wisdom. The, the, the whole of Proverbs is a, is a call to join God in His Word. So he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this journey. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of this knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of this wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to yield to Him for understanding. So within the first nine chapters of Proverbs, there are ten speeches from a father to a son, and there are four poems which introduce us to a characterization in Proverbs that we will call Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is to be contrasted with Dame Foolishness. And so Lady Wisdom and Dame Foolishness make their appearance throughout the Proverbs, and the first four speeches from Lady Wisdom, or the first four poems of Lady Wisdom, are there in chapters 1 through 9. And the ten speeches from a father to a son are also there. And that's, that's sort of the structure. And so these, these first Proverbs, these, this, this, this opening section gives us the, 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 the very simple instruction. If you were to circle in your Bible all the times that it says, hear my son, listen my son, you will find speech after speech which are the father trying to communicate to the son. Now, we think Proverbs was written largely by Solomon. I think he wrote most of them. Back in Kings, they told us that he wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. We think we have a lot of them in here. There are several other authors who are named particularly in chapters 30 and 31, although I believe that Proverbs 31 was also written by Solomon, because I see the symmetry there between the wisdom of a father to a son in the first nine chapters and the mother to the son in chapter 31. My son, hear the instruction. My son, choose the path. My son, observe wisdom. My son, go along this road. Well, we kind of find the answer to that in chapter 9, when we have a relational battle royale between Lady Wisdom and Dame Foolishness. The Scripture opens up. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Some have made a big deal about the seven pillars being perfection. But basically, she's just built a house for a party. She's she's got a venue for a party. So she's getting ready for the party, Lady Wisdom. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has set the table. Chapter 9. She has sent out her young women to call. Save the date. Here's your invitation. RSVP. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. And there are writers that have linked that to evangelism, that 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 is our call for this way of wisdom. We are to go to the highest places in town and invite people to a banquet that's being hosted by Lady Wisdom who will point us the way to God. So the maidens, Lady Wisdom, through the maidens, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Now, it's not necessarily saying, Hey, Idiots! this way. But the, again, the word simple, those those of you who, who lack wisdom, those of you who are, who are uninformed, that's what James was talking about. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God, who will give generously without reproach. So the the simple person lacks wisdom. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. And then there's an interlude of of what the way of insight would be. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse who approves a, reproves a wicked man incurs injury. When you, when you tell people who hate God to come to the party, they will likely ridicule you. Give instruction to a wise man, he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. That's, that's what you're doing in here. That's discipleship. And then the, the bookend verse, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So the lady wisdom has invited us to a party. She's invited us to a a fellowship. And the purpose of that fellowship, the purpose of that party, is to show us the way of God. Now, we we know that the way of God here is, is very seminary term, gospel-centric, that, that the story of Jesus has wrapped all through this. This is why in one of His first parables, Jesus said, a wise man builds his house on the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. The, the Proverbs point to Jesus, and Jesus points to the Proverbs. So Lady Wisdom says, come and and, and take part, come and, and understand, come and receive knowledge and understanding, come and allow your decision making to be impacted in a way that is God's way and not the way of the world, the contrast between the two. And just in case we miss it, we are introduced in the very next verse to Dame Foolishness. Now, we've been introduced to her before. If you look back in chapter 7, the father is telling his son, stay away from this lady, she's trouble. Stay away from the house of the forbidden woman. Stay away from the house of the wayward woman. And lady wisdom is introduced earlier, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 4, chapter 3, and dame foolishness makes her appearance... And now she decides that she's going to have a party that competes with the one of Lady Wisdom. So she says the woman of folly is loud. She's obnoxious. She's seductive and knows nothing. Verse 14. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place in town. Now on Wednesday night, I... I pointed out that hardly anybody in this time owned a chair. Uh, Most common people sat on benches or stools or on the floor. To own a chair uh, was to an honored place. The nobleman might have a chair. The king might have a chair, a throne. That's why in academia you say that when a professor has earned its tenure, he's given a chair. There's a, there's a, a, a she sat down in the highest place in town. She took the place of a nobleman. She said, I'm important. I'm wealthy. I can show you the way. Calling to those who passed by who were going straight on their way. That's not an accident. Who are, who are going on a pathway of wisdom. And now she says, compare verse 16 to verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Editorial comment, verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And so Proverbs sets us up with the contrast between the way of God and the way of not God. The way of Jesus and the way that opposes Jesus. The way of salvation versus the way of damnation. The way of God versus the way of the world. And and, and Proverbs is very blatant about it. In, In Psalms, it's a little more subtle. But Proverbs says, you want how the world makes decisions Meet Dame Foolishness. You want how the way of God makes decisions? Meet Lady Wisdom. And this sets up the contrast between things that are in the light, things that are in secret, things that are done with thought of other people, and things that are done only to please or to benefit self. Proverbs ends with uh, two chapters at the end, and I, I don't have time or, or not the purpose of this series to dive deeply into them. But suffice to say that chapter 30 basically is the model reader of Proverbs. That's for us to assume that we are the one writing that. And he says, I'm such an idiot. I should have understood all of this before. I am grateful that that God has given me these Proverbs, and I'm going to be better for it. And then chapter 31, I believe that Solomon wrote it, even though it's attributed to somebody named King Lemuel. I believe that that Solomon wrote it and that he's recounting what his mother Bathsheba said to him. I think she's saying to him, when you get married, this is the kind of woman you ought to look for. Now, I I only mention this because some of you ladies especially have been shamed by Proverbs 31, and that is not what it was intended to do. You've thought that you were supposed to be this kind of woman if you were going to be a good woman at all. This woman doesn't exist. It's a mom saying to her son, this is the kind of woman that's good enough for you. Now, Solomon was an idiot. He he didn't listen to what she had to say. We know that, that his marriages, multiple, are the ones that got him in trouble, but his mama gave him pretty good advice. And if you read through it with that lens and go, okay, this is what a mom said. If you marry this kind of woman, if you look for these attributes, if you look for this kind of character, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. So what do we do with all this? Five hints from Proverbs for how we are to make our decisions in a biblical way. Number one, honor God. Acknowledge His sovereignty over every circumstance. When I get ready to buy a car, when I get married, uh, when I get to college, when I figure out what I'm going to do with the job change, when I think about relocation, when I think about a little decision. We make thousands of decisions every day, and so many of them are on autopilot. But so many of them are big decisions. And if we start with a place where we say, I cannot make this decision without God's wisdom then we are starting in a good place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. too. you you're not the smartest one at the table. God is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't don't, don't trust your instincts. Don't go back to business school or a flip of the coin or the magic eight ball or or the council of friends who, who are just as confused as you are acknowledge that 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 i need to search the scripture i need to search in prayer i need to go to godly people who will give me godly advice trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding in everything acknowledge him and he will direct your paths gather information evidence and facts we, we don't commit intellectual suicide because we're followers of Christ. We still do our research. We still look at the reviews. We still test drive the car. But we do so having honored God, having acknowledged Him, having uh, agreed that we need to seek His wisdom. But now we do our homework Proverbs 18, he, he who gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and shame to hear. There, there it is in that collection of random Proverbs. Trust and verify. To Understand that, that God has given you the ability to, to research a little bit. Don't let time pressure your decision. Four, don't let time pressure your decision. Can't believe Proverbs 19. It's not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who makes haste with his feet errs. Take your time. Let, let the important decisions get the, the time that important decisions need. Seek wise advice from others. There are probably more words in Proverbs about our speech than any other topic. Uh, purity, sexual purity is, is a close second. But friendships is big. Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He who quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So what do you do with all this? Let me go back to where I started. If you are a follower of Christ, probably you've been tweaked a little bit. Hey, hey, I, I, can, I, I can make sure my decision making is on a biblical plane and not on the way the world tells me to make decisions with my emotion, with my impulse, with my self-serving attitudes. If you're a, a disciple, then, then, then probably you're collecting, okay, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I desire knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I desire wisdom. If you're not a follower of Christ, if, if you're not close to God, it's, it's likely that you've been curious You've been interested in these words of wisdom because they they seem to have some common sense. They seem to have some direction. And while that's true, I wouldn't want you to miss the central point of the Proverbs come to God, draw close to God. While the Proverbs are explicit and explanatory, they don't cover everything. And they don't even scratch the depth of what it is to be so in love with God and who He is that you are even willing to subject your desires, your decisions, your impulses, your emotions to Him. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, all who are heavy laden with the Decisions that you are making in the world. And I will give you rest. So the message of Proverbs. Wisdom, yes. Discernment, yes. Come to God. That's sort of the the, the core. To attain the fear, the understanding, the reverence, the awe of just who God is. Pray with me. Father, thank you for all these books that are just tucked away. And while we often take random verses, random speculation, random instruction, the whole of Proverbs draws us to you. And if there is someone in the room or someone watching online, who says, I don't know a God who is that wise. I don't know Him, but I want to. I want to draw near to Him. Let this be the day when you say, Lord, I need You. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need all the resources of heaven and all the promises of eternity that You give to us. I yield my life, my decisions to You. God, for those in the room who have been walking with you for a long time, I pray that today they would have seen a a character in you, a a Father who freely offers wise advice about our decision-making, whether it's little ones or the great big ones. In all our ways, Father, allow us to acknowledge you and trust that you will direct our paths. I pray in Jesus' name.